Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Here's what I would love for you to imagine. Gather around, gather around. I want you to imagine that one morning after breakfast, your mom gets your jacket on and helps your brothers and sisters get their coats on and then says to you, now, run out and play, but don't forget you're not allowed in the neighbor's yard. Those are the people that killed your daddy and ate him. We always have an odd one in the crowd. So it's kind of odd. Decidedly odd. Doesn't that strike you as a little bit odd? No, it doesn't strike me as a little bit odd. It's the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. The stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. Now, here's the Oddcast. If what I just said sounds dark and twisted and insane to you, LOL, it's the beginning of a classic and beloved children's book. It's bedtime story here on the Oddcast, and in honor of it being spring and Easter just around the corner, we have a special story for you. It's Beatrix Potter's The Tale of Peter Rabbit, which was first published way back when, my gosh, more than 120 years now in 1902. And before we jump into the story, Max told me when I said, we're going we're gonna to do The Tale of Peter Rabbit. He's like, what happens in that? I don't know that story. <laughs> I, I've so, heard of it, but I've never, I don't ever remember reading it as a kid, or if I did, I have no recollection of it at all. Were you, uh, and, and this is not, nobody take any offense to this. Um, if this did not happen in your childhood, were you read to as a child? I was. Was a bedtime story part of it? Yes. Not yes, how I old were you when that, when that stopped, do you think? 20, um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I don't know, maybe when I was about four. That sounds about right to me too. Um, I vividly, I vividly remember, I'm, I feel very lucky that I have the, this one memory. I remember the moment that the lines on the page turned into words. My mom taught me to read when I was really, really young. I'm the middle child and the middle girl of, between two brothers. And the memory that I have, it was one of those days where it's stormy outside, it's raining, and the sky is that charcoal colory gray, and the lights are on in the house. You know that feeling yes. of it being rainy and dark outside, but the lights are on in the daytime in the house. And I'm in my mom's lap in the kitchen. This is before we moved out west. And she has the newspaper comics, the funny pages, spread out in front of us on the kitchen table. 
and she's going over the words. And I don't know which comic it was, if it was Family Circus or Blondie or who even knows, right? Brenda Starr, I don't know. I don't remember that. But I remember my mom's finger and the word, and she would sound it out for me. She would say, B, B, A, A, L, U, L, U, B, O, B, O, B, O. And suddenly it was like all of the lights in the world turned on. And I said, ball. And my mom said, ball. And then we went word to word. And I couldn't do I couldn't do all of them. I couldn't do a lot of them. But the simpler words that I could sound out. And suddenly it was like all the keys turned and all the locks, all the lights went on, but all. And I could see how the marks on the page became words. And after that, I didn't want anybody to read aloud to me. I wanted to read my own books. And of all the things in the world, of all the things that I remember, because, you know, you lose a lot of your childhood memories. I'm so thankful for that one. To me, that's a miracle to have held that memory of the very first time I understood that the marks on the page made a word and that the word meant something and that I understood what that meaning was. Do you remember that, Max? I remember the first book that I got. And uh, the first book that I got was uh, Green Eggs and Ham, the Dr. Seuss book. And I can remember my brother read it to me. And somewhere during that first year I owned the book, I was able to, to read it. I learned how to read it. And the next one I had was one called A Fly Went By. I don't know if you've ever... I've heard this. of a fly, yeah. So, yeah. so it's in the book is about fear. I sat on a rock and I looked at the sky. And as uh, I looked up, a fly went by. And something's chasing the fly and something's chasing this and something's chasing that. And they were, I do it was know all that about story. fear. It's a wonderful story. And that was one of the first ones that I had as well that I remember that I sort of learned how to read. I... I saw a tweet. You're going to love this. I should have taken um, a screenshot of it, but the tweet basically went like this. Reading is wild. Like, there you are, looking at marks on a slab of what used to be a tree, just hallucinating wildly. Because <laughs> that's what it is. Those marks on that piece of paper, they come alive inside your brain and your imagination. And I just, I think reading is the best thing ever. I can't imagine not wanting to read or loving to read. And a big part of loving to read is being read too. So, in just a moment, the tale of Peter Rabbit. Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits, and their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. They lived with their mother in a sandbank underneath the root of a very big fir tree. Now, my dears, said old Mrs. Rabbit one morning, you may go into the fields or down the lane, but don't go into Mr. McGregor's garden. Your father had an accident there. He was put into a pie by Mrs. McGregor. Now run along and don't get into mischief. I'm going out. Then old Mrs. Rabbit took a basket and her umbrella and went through the wood to the baker's. She bought a loaf of brown bread and five currant buns. And Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail, who were good little bunnies, went down the lane to gather blackberries. 
But Peter, who was very naughty, ran straight away to Mr. McGregor's garden and squeezed under the gate. First, he ate some lettuces and some French beans. Then he ate some radishes. And then, feeling rather sick, he went to look for some parsley. But round the end of a cucumber frame, whom should he meet but Mr. McGregor? Mr. McGregor was on his hands and knees planting out young cabbages, but he jumped up and he ran after Peter, waving a rake and calling out, Stop, thief! Peter was most dreadfully frightened. He rushed all over the garden, for he had forgotten the way back to the gate. He lost one of his shoes among the cabbages and the other shoe amongst the potatoes. And after losing them, he ran on four legs and went faster, so that I think he might have got away altogether if he had not unfortunately run into a gooseberry net and got caught by the large buttons on his jacket. It was a blue jacket with brass buttons, quite new. Peter gave himself up for lost and shed big tears, but his sobs were overheard by some friendly sparrows who flew to him in great excitement and implored him to exert himself. Mr. McGregor came up with a sieve, which he intended to pop on the top of Peter, but Peter wriggled out just in time, leaving his jacket behind him, and rushed into the tool shed and jumped into a can, and it would have been a beautiful thing to hide in if it had not had so much water in it. Mr. McGregor was quite sure that Peter was somewhere in the tool shed, perhaps hidden underneath a flower pot. He began to turn them over, carefully looking under each. Presently, Peter sneezed. Achoo! Mr. McGregor was after him in no time and tried to put his foot upon Peter, who jumped out of a window, upsetting three plants. The window was too small for Mr. McGregor, and he was tired of running after Peter. He went back to his work. Peter sat down to rest. He was out of breath and trembling with fright, and he had not the least idea which way to go. Also, he was very damp, sitting in that can. And after a time, he began to wander about, going lippity-lippity, not very fast, and looking all around. He found a door and a wall, but it was locked, and there was no room for a fat little rabbit to squeeze underneath. An old mouse was running in and out over the stone doorstep, carrying peas and beans to her family in the wood. Peter asked her the way to the gate, but she had such a large pea in her mouth that she could not answer. She only shook her head at him. Peter began to cry. Then he tried to find his way straight across the garden, but he became more and more puzzled. Presently, he came to a pond where Mr. McGregor filled his water cans. A white cat was staring at some goldfish. She sat very, very still, but now and then the tip of her tail twitched as if it were alive. Peter thought it best to go away without speaking to her. He had heard about cats from his cousin, little Benjamin Bunny. He went back toward the tool shed, but suddenly Quite close to him, he heard the noise of a hoe. Scritch, scratch, scritch, scratch. Peter scuttered underneath the bushes. But presently, as nothing happened, he came out and climbed upon a wheelbarrow and peeped over. The first thing he saw was Mr. McGregor hoeing onions. His back was turned towards Peter, 
and beyond him was the gate. Peter got down very quietly off the wheelbarrow and started running as fast as he could go along a straight walk behind some black currant bushes. Mr. McGregor caught sight of him at the corner, but Peter did not care. He slipped underneath the gate and was safe at last in the wood outside the garden. Mr. McGregor hung up the little jacket and the little shoes for a scarecrow to frighten the blackbirds. But Peter never stopped running or looked behind until he got home to the big fir tree. He was so tired that he flopped down upon the nice soft sand on the floor of the rabbit hole and shut his eyes. His mother was busy cooking. She wondered what he had done with his clothes. It was the second little jacket and pair of shoes that Peter had lost in a fortnight. And I'm sorry to say that Peter was not very well during the evening. His mother put him to bed and made some chamomile tea, and she gave a dose of it to Peter, one tablespoonful to be taken at bedtime. But Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail had bread and milk and blackberries for supper because they were good bunnies. The end. And the moral of the story is, kids, if you live next door to some people, that'll kill and eat your dad. I don't care what they're growing in their garden. You need to keep your distance and do what your mama says. And don't lose your little jacket and your shoes while you're outside playing. I was hoping he'd get, you know, some of these don't end well, these children's stories, and I was so hoping he'd get home. And, and I was so concerned. This is one, you know, a lot of these don't end well. Well, I mean, let's face it, Mr. Rabbit... <laughs> Mr. Rabbit. We started off on the wrong yeah. We started off with a gruesome murder and cannibalism. Um, Peter just learned the hard way, you know, when you disobey your mama. You might not get eaten by the neighbors, but you're going to end up with an upset tummy and lying in your bed taking medicine while your brothers and sisters are having treats. Rabbits are... Rabbits are very magical and mysterious and strange creatures. We have a true weird stuff episode coming up about rabbits. I got my husband to read the book Watership Down by Richard Adams. Have you ever read Watership no, Down, huh? Max? So I want to recommend this book. It's a, it's, um, it's a children's book, but it's not a children's book. It's a chapter book. And I think, it, I think it's amazing for anybody of all ages. The story of Watership Down is a great one. The author was on a long car ride with his children and the kids were bored and restless. You know, this was way back before we had DVD players and cars and smartphones and all that. And the kids were fussing and fussing. So Richard said, if you'll all be quiet, I will tell you a story. And as he drove, he spun this incredible tale about this group of rabbits that had their home meadow threatened by human beings coming in and building construction, neighborhoods, towns. And so the rabbits had to relocate and there was a mighty battle that needed to be fought. And they were, they were under siege and they were unable to take care of their babies. And he built this incredible world that included a rabbit religion and mythology and it's like Tolkien, but with bunnies. And, the, and they got to their destination and the, and the car stopped and the kids were like, uh, but what about the rest of the story, Dad? 
that's how enthralled his children were by the tale of the rabbits of Watership Down. And the kids said, Dad, you should write a book. And so he did. And it became one of the most beloved classics of YA and really literature. And it's phenomenal. If you've never read it, you'll love it. And if you're looking for a bedtime story to read to your kids, they'll go more than one night. You know, if you like reading chapter books to your children, this will be a great time of the year to crack open Watership Down. Um, Sherry, I have told you, but I haven't on an odd cast, the story of the bunny that I had as a child. Tell everyone, Max. So when I was a wee lad, maybe about four years old, I would guess, I can remember that my grandfather said, what would you like for your birthday? And I said, a rabbit. Now I meant a stuffed rabbit. But he didn't know that. (laughs) So much to the chagrin of my father, his son, he gave me a real rabbit that was white, that had its own little hutch. And so we would take the rabbit out and play with him in the yard I'd take him around in my little wagon that was kind of rusty, and this little white rabbit would get rust all over him, so we had to bathe him. He would get out of his little hutch, and he'd eat my mom's tomato plants. Not once, not twice, but three times. So my father made the decision that perhaps this rabbit should go live on a farm. And so one day, this little bunny, he left and went to go live on the farm where he was much happier, my father said. Later years, I said to my father, so what did you do with the rabbit? You said you took him to a farm. He said, well, I didn't want to tell you we made soup out of him. Oh, God, no. Now they didn't. And of course, he told me this as an adult. But that's the story of the bunny rabbit I had. And I remember their big concern was, do not pick the rabbit up by his ears. I remember there was a huge concern because my mother was having dreams that the rabbit's ears were falling off. And so she said, that rabbit's ears will fall off if you don't pick it up the right way. (laughs) I, um... (laughs) There are... I'm pretty sure it's pretty sure it's um, two generations. Um, Boomers and Gen X were raised being told these terrible lies about how our pets were going to go have lives on farms. I don't think that ever really happened. Nope. Although, Max, weren't you also as a child almost taken to live on a farm? Weren't you packed no. up? No. So was that I, your was, brother? I was being, I was not doing my work in school. And so what they did when, and I was at this point, maybe about 10 years old, they got a suitcase and they put it in the car and they took me with my brother to take me to a military school. Now they weren't to put my brother in the military school because he was perfect. And he was smart, and he did his work in school. So I can remember uh, they said, we're going to go to this military school, and you're going to go to school there. 
And so, and they said, it's because you won't straighten up. And as we left, I can remember thinking to myself, oh, they're not going to really do that. And then my father got the suitcase out of the back of the car when we arrived at the gates of this school, which was many miles from where we lived. And he set the suitcase down and said, this is where you're going to go now. And I can remember I cried and I was really upset. And he said, are you going to do better in school? And I said, yes. And he said, if you do better in school, then we won't send you to this school. And I said, okay. And I can remember my brother said to me, you idiot, they never were going to send you there. (laughs) You idiot, they just did that to try to scare you. Meanwhile, Max's pet bunny rabbit is on the farm going, I swear I'll do better in school. I, I swear I'll do, I'll do all my homework. I'll, I'll do some chores, whatever. Let me come back. <sighs> Childhood. It's a, <laughs> Childhood is a savage it's, it's and a lawless thing. land. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So I brought yeah. my father the bill for the therapy and he said, I'm not paying that. Now, he really didn't pay it, and I really did, but anyhow. Well, here's how you know, kids. I don't want anybody scared. Max's mom and dad did not turn Max's pet bunny into soup, and that's because Max's mom was already irate about what a dump the place was, and there was no way she was going to add skinning a rabbit to that chaos. She did. She caught her house. I'm so sick of slaving in this dump. This dump. And if you think that a white rabbit's hair everywhere was going to improve it, no, sir, buddy, that rabbit was not no. turned into soup no. on Max's mom's watch. Okay. Um, well, somehow we managed to turn Peter Rabbit into a true crime <laughs> podcast. And now what are you going to do? You know, you work with what you have. That's it for this episode of The Oddcast. We drop new ones every Monday. Our website is B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. We so appreciate your listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this little bedtime story. It's a little uplifting tale. We'll see you next time on The Oddcast. Hey, thank you so much for listening to The Bob and Sherry Podcast and The Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.